Hey, what's up, Military Millionaires? Today's episode is super exciting. Today, J.D. Monroe and I talk about how we went from blowing all of our deployment money and making all these poor financial decisions to real estate investing, joint ventures, and just successful financial futures. So if this is your first time listening, thanks for joining the community. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment. Show notes are found at FromMilitaryMillionaire.com slash podcast. Now relax and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Military Millionaire Podcast, a show about real estate investing for the working class. Stay tuned as we explore ways to help you improve your finances, build wealth through real estate, and become a person that is worth knowing. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Dave here, and I'm here with J.D. Monroe, who is an Air Force uh, active duty Air Force station out in Vegas right now. And he's a pretty big time investor that uh, I've been following on Facebook. We've been talking back and forth. We get along really well. So I was like, man, got to get you on the podcast. Let's do it. And uh, here he is. JD, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, and welcome to the show. <laughs> hey, hey, thanks. I really appreciate it. Um, before we get into my story, I just want to tell you uh, how much I appreciate what you're doing uh, for military investors and, and real estate investing. I think it's super important that we get uh, the military involved in taking control of their finances. And I think you're doing a great job at that night. So I just want to make sure that you know that me and my wife are really appreciative of the stuff that you're doing every day. Oh, well, thank you. I like hearing that. It's not a yeah. total waste of my time. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll be something for your kids to watch, even if nobody else does. Yeah. They'll be like, what was up with that mustache and Hawaiian shirts, dad? You were so weird. <laughs> I wish my dad had a Hawaiian shirt and mustache. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, well, it just if we want to talk a little bit about my story, um, I came from a pretty small town of, uh, you know, middle class background, joined the Air Force because going to college wasn't really an option and I didn't want to take out uh, student loans. Um, but once I was in the Air Force, I didn't really um, – have any financial literacy at all. And uh, in 2005, I went on my first deployment to Iraq and uh, came back from Iraq and had, you know, $10,000 saved up. I spent the uh, about one year um, from that time that I got back with $10,000 blowing my money on uh, DVDs from the BX, uh, beer and clubs. Uh, and I, I bought a, a $2,000 TV and a $2,000 truck. And uh, a year later, I was in the airport ready for my second deployment. And I had to check my bank account to make sure I could uh, buy a drink um, from the airport. And at that moment, I realized like, what the heck did I do with $10,000? It's just vanished into um, empty beer bottles. And, and from that point on, I started looking and thinking like, what am I going to do? I knew that I wasn't going to let that $10,000 disappear again. And so when I got back from my, my second deployment, I uh, went to my local bank in my hometown while I was on leave and said, Hey, I really want to invest. What can you guys help me out with? And they said, Oh, we got this awesome CD for you at a 5% interest rate. Um, but you got to lock it up for two years. And because I didn't know any better, I didn't know if 5% was a good interest rate or a bad interest rate. I just knew that I didn't want to leave that money in my bank account. Uh, so I put it into the CD and just left it there and went on about my business and didn't pay attention to my finances after that. Um, once my 
CD rolled over a couple of times, I, the crash in 2008 happened and my interest rate went from 5% down to 0.01%. And I realized I needed to do something else with my money. Uh, so I started looking into the stock market because that's what everybody I knew of was doing. Um, and I couldn't wrap my head around like what makes a good company, what makes a bad company, why does this stock go up and this stock goes down. Um, I started reading all the books I could, looking at all the forms that I could and trying to interact with people who are actually doing the stock thing. Uh, and that led me to the Rich Dad Poor Dad book, which completely changed my life and the way that I view the world. I look at the world through different lens now because of that. And um, Rich Dad Poor Dad led me to real estate, which led me to bigger pockets. And the bigger pockets, you know, kind of changed my life, set me up on, uh, on the path to, to real estate. And, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of how I got my start. Man, that's awesome. I was really hoping like, this is such a terrible thing, but, um, I'm kind of glad that you said you blew your $10,000 from deployment. Cause I would have felt like a schmuck if you were like, yeah, I was this young guy and I was right out of my first deployment and I started buying real estate and I made all these great decisions. Cause yeah, I bought a Harley. I totaled like two years later. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. I, I, I didn't. And a rifle that's not legal in any of the States I've been stationed since. So it just sits at my parents' house. <laughs> well, I mean, you'll be out before, you know, before you know it and you can live wherever you want. <laughs> and I'll be able to shoot it again. <laughs> I need to just sell that dang thing, but then well, I, you, I play with it and I'm like, Ooh, this is nice. It gives you a good reason to visit your folks. There you go. <laughs> so, okay. So you get started in real estate, um, which, you know, I mean, I kind of played around with the stock market and I didn't do so hot either. Um, and then obviously rich dad, poor dad, bigger pockets, you know, that part is, is a solid framework, but okay. So you get started. And what, what did you start doing as far as investments? Like how did that, how did that next step look? Well, it was April. I, I think it was April of 2014. I started getting on bigger pockets and I started uh, reading everything. And there's a whole bunch of terms and, and things like how do you calculate ROI? What is cap rate? All those kind of questions that I didn't understand, but bigger pockets, you know, had that awesome form with a bunch of people who had already asked all these questions because there's nothing in real estate that's new. Uh, so I would look up the term. And then while I was reading the definition of whatever it was, if there was something else I didn't learn, I'd open a new tab on my computer and search that. And I just did that. And so sometimes I would have like 35 tabs open and I would read it. I'd probably read for about three hours a day on bigger pockets, which was really sucked my life away. Uh, and that started in April. One of the things they preach on bigger pockets is don't get paralysis analysis um, or analysis paralysis rather. And so I was really convinced that I needed to take action. So I started looking at uh, HUD Home Store and found a foreclosure in my area that was only about five minutes away from base. Um, I talked to a, a, a really good, he, he ended up being a pretty good mentor of mine. He was a retired master sergeant who was also a real estate agent in, in that area and had, you know, 30 or 40 single family homes, did, you know, a dozen flips a year, that kind of guy. And uh, I called him up and um, he came over to the house with me. We looked at, at this house and he's like, I can't believe that you found this before me. Uh, if you don't put an offer in, I will. 
if you put an offer in, get it accepted and, and don't like it, I'll, I'll buy it from you from more than what your, your offer is. Um, and you know, I'll, I'll help kind of guide you on, on, on the way. So that to me was a huge safety net. Uh, and that's one of the reasons that I try to offer my services and my help to other aspiring real estate investors, because this guy literally held my hand with the purchase um, and walked yeah. me through it and get, helped me a lot more than a realtor would, you know, is required to. Yeah, that's awesome. So after I purchased the property, I was pretty confident with that. My wife was pregnant uh, with our second son, so she didn't have a lot of... Uh, um, energy to come and help do the rehab. It was a disgusting house and needed a lot of work. Uh, one of the ladies that I work with, her husband was a, a retired chief master sergeant and he was also a home inspector and, and they owned 12 properties in town that they paid cash for everything. He was a very conservative investor, but he was a really, really smart guy. He came over and literally worked on that house with me for the entire six months. We were um, rehabbing it. He let me use all of his tools, showed me how to do plumbing, how to do some of the electrical, showed me how to, I didn't even know how to patch a hole in the wall. And he showed me how to do everything, like held my hand. It was, his name's Matt. He's a super great guy. Uh, a really, really good mentor of mine. Um, and we rehabbed that whole house. Um, the way that we purchased it, I purchased it with an owner occupied a construction loan put $16,000 in materials into it. And we did all the work ourselves except for HVAC and some of the electrical wiring from the box um, stuff. Did but it, die. Total, it, yeah, it total was 16 grand. I refinanced it with an in, internal uh, refinance VA loan. Uh, they cut me a check for 19 grand. So I got all my money back out of it plus a couple grand. Um, and then I lived in it for about a month and a half before I got orders. Um, and so we moved out and that was the intention. I knew I'd been at, at my first base, which was Barksdale for 10 years. And so I knew like orders are on the horizon, but I don't know when they're coming exactly. And so the intention was to make that a rental. Um, and we rented it out about three days three days after uh, I left and it's been rented with the same uh, tenants. They pay about a thousand dollars a month. I have a hundred dollars a month property management. Uh, I only cash flow about 120 bucks on, on this property. Um, now my standards, my deal standards are a little bit higher or, and I want more cash flow for my deals now, but at the time, and I still believe that that was a really, you know, a really solid deal for me. And I got, and, and, now it's kind of, you know, an infinite return because I got all of my money back out through the VA refinance. Yeah. Well, and most importantly, you learned more by having someone walk you through everything and the rehab for six months than you probably have on a lot of your other deals because now you're probably able to be a little more hands off because of that one. Absolutely. And I'm kind of a, a very, like, I need to know every single part of the business, which is sometimes a benefit and sometimes comes at a detriment because really business owners don't need to know every single thing. But that's what I needed to feel comfortable to start doing this, to take on this monumental real estate thing that looks so intimidating. I needed that security through the knowledge of, of doing that first deal and, and having the, the help with the rehab and 
of purchase and refinance and, and that stuff. And um, I'm blown away by the fact the Air Force lets you homestead for like 10 years. My first 10 years, I'd been stationed Oki, San Diego, Missouri, and now Hawaii in, in, te- in the first like eight. <laughs> <laughs> well, that base in particular at that time, it's a little bit different now, but at that time it was known for, like I knew a guy who was stationed there as an airman. He cross-trained into CADM, which is our gun range guys, um, and they got stationed back at Barksdale, and he did his entire 20 years at Barksdale, and he was from that town too. Uh, they, they try to get away from that now, and, and really as far as that goes, it's probably hasn't been the most beneficial for my career because I didn't have that breadth of experience that you get in those first 10 years. Um, but I don't know if I would have got into real estate if I hadn't stayed there. So I'm happy that, that it worked out the way that it did. Yeah, no, that's awesome. All right. So you buy this house and now I just saw your Facebook post today. So I'm just going to ask like, cause I saw you did a house, you did a house, you've done some duplexes, you're working on fourplexes. Now you're working on something bigger. Um, what is, allowed you to scale so quickly in the last couple of years? Yes. Surprise question <laughs> a, that wasn't on my list. <laughs> no, no, no. That's, that's a really good question. I, and I got a, a perfect answer to it. Uh, it's a little bit, it is making the decision that this is what we wanted to do. That, that's the, the fluffy answer. The, the real answer is when we PCS to our next base, which was Montana, I, bought a duplex and started rehabbing that. But because of our duty schedule, I wasn't able to devote as much time to rehabbing the duplex as I had on our first house. So we had to use a contractor. And because we use a contractor, it costs a little bit money, more money up front, but it dramatically decreased the amount of time that the rehab took. And so that that allowed us to get paying renters into that property sooner, which allowed us to bank our cash flow uh, and save up for the, for the next down payment. And actually the next property we bought was another duplex that we paid cash for. Um, but because we became comfortable using contractors and, and, uh, outsourcing the work that's allowed us to, to put more on our plate. And then we went from that duplex to another duplex which I walked the initial walkthrough. I flew back to Louisiana, which is where our primary market is in Shreveport and Bossier. And I did a walkthrough on that. And then I flew back to, to Vegas and forgot about it. And then there was a huge price reduction from the wholesaler that we deal with in Louisiana by 25,000. And the property just barely didn't meet my criteria at, at 40 something thousand. And then when she dropped it down to 25, I knew I snatched it up right away because I knew all the numbers would work. And then I never, I haven't even been back to that property since we purchased it. I had the contractor do all the work, send me videos and FaceTime. I'm not saying go in there blind and just hope that it's being done right, but uh, being able to rely on contractors and having a network in the area that you're investing helps with, with scale. And then the part about making the decision is we decided if we're going to continue to increase our portfolio size, that we have to find alternate means of purchasing the properties because even if you were Warren Buffett or Mark Zuckerberg eventually those guys are going to run out of their own money so we had to start thinking about ways that we could use other people's money 
to help us purchase um, the other units. And so then we started looking into the owner finance options and um, partnerships and private money lenders and all that kind of stuff. And that's kind of where we're focusing most of our attention now because we feel like we have a pretty good grasp on the contractor real estate agent team. Yeah. The system is huge for being able to scale. Uh, and I like that you mentioned like not just trusting your contractor blind, but FaceTiming because uh, like David Green, who you know wrote the book on long distance real estate investing, he talks about having his property manager or his realtor poke their head by every now and then just to make sure things are being done. Um, because the reality is, you know, stuff happens. Even even the best of people get stuck in a rut sometimes and are almost forced to do things they wouldn't normally do um, or shoddy work or whatever. So you want to have a system in place. But yeah, being able to trust someone and the fact that you're able, like, you know your numbers well enough that you're like, yep, buying that. We'll figure it out as we go. Um, that's huge. I mean, that's awesome, which is which is something that I would say too. When I so I my first property was a house hack duplex. I lived in one side, and living next to it, I found that I was always like, "Man, the tenants aren't cleaning their house, or they left this crap out, or it looks gross, or what are they doing in their house?" You know, like not like I'm a nosy person, but like, well, I wouldn't. I don't like. I don't know how I feel about someone treating my house like that. But I move away, and all of a sudden, like I spend an hour a month on my property. <laughs> I get my report from my property manager. And I put it in my little Excel document for bookkeeping because I just haven't outsourced the bookkeeping yet. That hour is the only thing I do with my properties at all uh, most months. And just because I was forced to have a system. And now I'm like, oh man, I'm never going back. Like now I'm like, man, if I ever live in another house hack, which I fully intend to do, I'm not even going to tell them I own it. I'm just going to pretend no. I'm another tenant and I'm going to tell the property manager like, they do not find out. Do not tell them. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to mind my own business. And then I'll rat them out to the property manager and she can be the bad guy. But. From a lot of the people that I've talked to, I, I feel like it's almost, and, and maybe this is just the way that I want to justify it, but I feel like being a uh, property owner in the same town as your property is a disadvantage because of the emotional attachment that you, when you drive by and you see the blinds in the front window are broken that sends something to your brain that says this person's not taking care of my property the right way and, and I don't you know out of sight out of mind maybe that's what it is and I'm not saying don't pay attention to your investments because I'm kind of a control freak but it's almost like I feel as if I have the advantage of being removed so I don't have to deal with the day-to-day -day problems that arise because you know I also have a good management team uh, in place. And I think, I think that's a, you know, they talk on bigger pockets, they do talk about an unfair advantage. And we have so many unfair advantages being in the military, whether that's our leadership skills, our VA loan, our ability to, to, you know, just see the world and like, you know, realize that in Hawaii, there's houses that you can't afford even with dual military BAH. And then there's, you know, houses in Louisiana that, you can literally buy for pennies on the dollar and, and just that experience. There's so many unfair advantages of being in the military. And, and one of them is I don't have to live in the same town as my properties. Yeah. There, there are a lot of advantages. Uh, people think, you know, I just, I saw yesterday on bigger pocket, someone posted about like, Oh, I'm stationed out of state or actually I think he's out of country. Um, you know, what can I do? Cause I can't get started because of X, Y, Z. And I'm like, actually, 
like I started to write this really long post and then I finally was like, okay, I'm gonna give you some highlights and then just shoot me a message. Cause I can't, you know, if I say like, Hey, here's an article I wrote, uh, bigger pockets is going to be like deleted. Um, yep. if I say, Hey, shoot me a message and let's talk, you know, then I can let them know. But man, there are so many opportunities out there, uh, for us that, you know, people, I mean, and, and the funny thing, people think, Oh, your military doesn't make any money. Like, okay, you're right. We don't make millions of dollars, but, uh, we also don't pay very much in taxes and we get all these awesome allowances and yeah, there's so many advantages, but, Oh, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say I have, so this is where you and I have a little bit of a disagreement, but okay. I want to, I want to clear it up. You ask, you know, do you make enough money or, or would you say that you make enough money? My answer is always no, 100% of the time. And I'm not saying that we don't make a lot of money. I'm not saying that if you don't, if you use your money the right way, you can't. I'm just saying that I'm more valuable than that and I want more income. So it's, it's not, we're not that far off, but, but if somebody asks me, do you make enough money? My answer is always no. I, I, I would agree with you on the, the mentality of like my time is worth more than this. Um, yes especially now that I'm doing some stuff on the side where I'm like, man, my time is worth a lot more than this. Cause in the three hours I did this, you know? Yeah. Anyway, I agree. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, but I also, whatever, I'm not going to say that cause that doesn't have the right effect. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I will say you make a lot more money if you don't spend it on Harleys or $2,000 TVs or DVDs and <laughs> beer. You make a lot more money if you don't buy that stuff. Yeah, it's always the expenses that kill us. <laughs> always. All right. So, hey, I want to prompt you because uh, we talked about this before we're recording, but uh, we wanted to talk on joint ventures, and I would love to hear your thoughts about it. Right. Well, our most recent deal that we closed was a, a 10 unit, which was a duplex and two fourplexes on the same property or the same lot in, in Shreveport, Louisiana. And uh, that property was a little bit too big for our, what we could take down on our own without uh, having a, a huge surplus of cash at the time. Um, and we negotiated in an owner finance lease purchase deal with the owner and um, it ended up where we were going to need about $45,000 cash to, to close the deal and we didn't have that amount of cash on hand at the time. So we started looking, you know, do we want to get private money? Do we want to get a hard money loan? How, how do we want to take this property down? And the thing that made the most sense to us is we had developed a couple of relationships with some good people. And one of them is a girl named Melissa and she was willing because she trusted us and we trusted her to develop this joint venture uh, relationship and come in as 50, 50 partners on, on the 10 plex. Uh, she put in 50% of the money. We put in 50% of the money. And now, you know, we own a deal that was bigger than what either of us could have taken down at that moment on our own. And the reason that I wanted to talk about it is because I think a lot of times when you're starting out in real estate investing and you're just looking into this kind of stuff, you feel isolated and that you kind of have to do it all on your own. And that couldn't be further from the truth. If, if you can't, if you can't, handle your deal by yourself there's no 
problem getting somebody to come in and, and, and partner with you. And partnerships, you know, can be arranged for a, a lot of different things. If one person has no money and one person has all the money, if one person has no knowledge and somebody else has all the knowledge, like there's a whole bunch of different reasons you can, you can build this partnership. And the idea behind partnerships is you want to be stronger together than either one of you would be individually. And if we could get some of our, our younger military guys or younger investors into the mindset of, one, there is an abundance, and two, if you partner and build each other's business, it just helps everybody. And I think that's the most important part is like, you don't have to do it on your own, and you can be stronger working with a partner. Absolutely. Um, although, you know, my, my deal may not have ended quite as great as yours yet, uh, but my biggest deal to date has been with a partner. Um, and again, wouldn't have been able to take it down without a partner. Uh, and I think that's very valuable <clears throat> for a lot of reasons. Uh, for one, you know, if you, as, as I've heard a couple people say, right, you need knowledge, hustle, and money to make a real estate transaction. And you need all three. You just don't have to have all three. If that's three people and one's really smart and one hustles really well and the other has a crap load of money, great. If you have the knowledge and the hustle but no money, find someone with money. Um, you know, and if you find a deal, the money's not always that hard to get a hold of. It's finding the deal uh, and finding the people, right? And so if you can find a solid partner and even better, right? If you both have knowledge, hustle and money and you find another investor who's like-minded, man, you can make some crazy stuff go down. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've always heard it as is uh, time, knowledge or money. And, and you can, you can do real estate with two of the three. It helps to have all three. But if you have time and money, you can pay somebody for their knowledge. If you have knowledge and time, you can work hard and get that money. That's but, yeah, Maybe that's what I meant. Either way. But I mean, no, yours is also equally true. This is the JD the podcast. He's running the show because he is, uh, remembers what I meant to say. <laughs> no, thank you. You're right. You're right. All right. Hey, uh, I'd like to transition into couple of the questions that I am normally supposed to ask. So, awesome. If an E1, E2, or for those of you who aren't military officiated, uh, 18 to 20 year old youngster, uh, walked up to you asking for advice, and you only had a few minutes to give them, what would your best tip be? So one, don't blow your money on Harleys and booze. It's so much fun though. It is, it is so much fun. It's totally worth it. But if you just set a budget and said, I'm going to spend $100 on booze instead of $500 on booze, and I don't have to buy drinks for the entire club, I think you would still be moving towards the right direction. But uh, my, my number one piece of advice for these young kids is, is try to find a way to do a house hack. If you're in the military using your VA loan on a four-bedroom house or a four-unit apartment, and renting out all of the rooms to your buddies so you can live for free, bank your BAH, and, and start to save up for your next investment. I, I think that's a, the number one best idea and it, it also super, super valuable because you're living for free, you're kind of learning what it's like to deal with real estate, uh, and you're getting your feet wet without over committing and, and putting yourself in a lot of danger. If you're just an 18 to 20 year, 21 year old, I would say to look into the uh, FHA loan, 3.5% down type loans, and do the exact same thing. House hacking is, gives you such a leg up on 
you know, every, everybody else in your peer group, if you're thinking about that from the beginning instead of, you know, 10 years down the road. Yeah. And for those of you who decided to stop listening when we said no Harleys and tattoos and booze, uh, the way I like to justify this for myself is with op- opportunity costs. So I recently sold my, my baby, my toy, my love. Um, I had this little roadster that I turbocharged on recruiting and put a bunch of money into and it was a beautiful car. Uh, and I finally decided to just sell it. I told myself I was never going to part with it, but I realized like I hadn't driven it in a year cause I've been here. Um, and the justification for that was if I sell this now and invest the money 20 years from now, I'll be able to buy a much nicer car. Um, and that's, you know, that may or may not work for you, but that's how I try to justify putting off all my whims for fast, fast toys and loud toys. And yeah. I've, I've never been a very materialistic type of guy. I wasn't super into cars. I wasn't super into hot rods. I do like tattoos. Uh, but recently uh, I've, I've started to look at watches a lot and I think that's kind of my vein side coming out. I really like uh, the high-end watches, but what I've decided is until I can buy 10 of them cash, I'm not going to buy any of them and, and just put it off like that. And then, you know, once I get enough money to buy 10 of them cash, I might, you know, then I'll have the dis- to make the decision. I can buy this house or apartment or one of these things, and then I'll, I'll you know, be able to tell if it's worth it. Yeah, I, I kind of like, yeah, that's been like recently my wife is like making fun of me because we'll go to the mall and I'll end up in like the, you know, the really fancy watch store. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, they look so nice. Some of them, some of them are just not my style. But uh, yeah, I'm like, okay, no, no, get out of the store now. Don't, don't, don't talk to them about financing, leave. Um, <laughs> It's a doodad trap. Man, you know, and the funny thing is, like, what am I going to do three days later? I'll have it all scratched up. So right. I'll buy a really nice watch. I'll keep it, keep it in the closet, and I'll wear it once a, once a month maybe for date night and, and <laughs> then go back to my mud man. You know, it's funny. For those of you watching the video show, so I have one of these little, like, rubber wedding ring things that uh, I have worn. So I have a nice ring. I have a really nice ring and I think I've worn it five times in the last like four years, whatever, three years. I don't know. Um, Because this thing, I've had this since day one and I can work on my car. I can work out like nothing. So yeah, same thing. The nice one just sits in the closet. Yeah. No reason. All right. So anyway, I digress about watches and rings and toys. Um, What is, so I asked this question. I understand it's kind of a loaded question. I, People always tell me it's not their job. I get it. Um, what is one thing you wish the military had taught you about uh, real estate investing or finances earlier on? I, I think that's a great question, actually. Oh, and, and if I had to pin it down to like one thing, it when I first came up, no, nobody talked to me about wealth. They tried to force the TSP on me, but I felt like it was hard sales tactics. And I don't necessarily think that that's the best place for me to put my money, I know there's a lot of people and if, if your decision is put money in the TSP or do nothing, 100% of your money should be going into TSP, you know. Uh, but my, my thing is, I wish I would have known that you don't have to be 30 years old with a wife and a kid on the way before you can have access to your VA loan. And I know there was a lot of, like, in the Air Force we have family advocacy and, and a lot of these uh, programs that will give you free classes to teach you about the VA loan and using the VA loan. But if I'd have known that, that it was even a possibility for me to move 
straight out of the dorms into a house that I purchased instead of into an apartment that I shared with a couple of buddies uh, that cost us, you know, a thousand dollars a piece. Uh, and I could have been using that to, to buy a house. If I would have just known that that was a possibility or in the realm of possibility, I think I would have been a lot further on now um, than I, than I am because I didn't even realize that kids, you know, 20, 20 year old kid could buy a house. I didn't think that that was even possible. And it, it definitely is, but nobody talks about finances. Nobody talks about the VA loan. The only reason I knew about it is because we are married and, and the logical progression is, Oh, you get married, you start to have kids, you need to move into your own house. And so that's when I started looking into it on my own, but I would have been, you know, better off had I done the VA house hack when I was younger. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the VA loan is like the most misunderstood or just not understood benefit that we have. It's huge. And myself, for example, I bought my first duplex with an FHA loan because when I talked to the local realtor and lender, they were like, Oh, I don't think you want to waste your VA loan on this. You can buy something bigger later. And now I'm like looking back and I'm like, I'm paying $81 a month for private mortgage insurance that I should not be paying. Right. Well, I'm just about done paying it now, but for the last year and a half, I've been paying 81 bucks a month more for my probably 70 bucks a month more for my mortgage um, money just going out of my pocket. And I look back and I'm like, what an idiot. You can reuse it. You can do this. You can do that. And I'm like, yeah, but I didn't know. And the people who were supposed to know didn't know because it's just, it's so misunderstood. It's hard to find a solid lender who understands. And now here's the real kicker, right? Is this new, the VA renovation loan that nobody knows about because it's brand new. I've had lenders telling me like even this year, like this year I was looking for someone so I could really get familiar with it so I can produce some good content on it. And I sit down with like three different lenders that I'm just picking their brain and they're like, Oh no, we don't do that. Oh, that's not a thing. Oh no, I've heard about that, but Oh, I've never heard of it. Oh, I don't know. You know? And then I meet this one guy and his name is William doom. And I'm going to plug him on here because he's the guy I'll, I'll throw questions to. And I sit down with him over a coffee shop in Honolulu and he's like, Oh yeah, that was a pilot program. My company was doing it as a pilot last year and the year before He goes, but now it's a full-time program. And he starts showing me his portfolio of homes he's used it on. And I'm talking like, $500,000 purchase price in Hawaii with a $200,000 rehab worth, you know, $900,000. <laughs> the kid put nothing in. And I'm like, why is this not known about? Holy crap. So, uh, man, there's some pretty cool. Well, I have to admit that I don't know very much of that. We're getting ready to PC to the DC, uh, PCS to the DC area. And uh, we're looking at that. So, you know, I'll have to get with you on, on what knowledge you can impart because it's nuts, that man. is a great program. And, yeah. and if, if not everybody knows about it, I think we need to be shouting it from the rooftops. They can do teardowns. Like it can legitimately, like on the list of things that you can fix with this renovation loan is pool. Like things that just don't matter, right? You're like, oh man, yeah, my hot tub's broken. Let's throw that in the renovation loan. Yeah. Put zero down on. Like it's super cool. Um, that granted, that doesn't always mean it's the perfect investment, right? It's it's all fine no. by the numbers, but what a great opportunity. So now I'm playing with the idea like there's these old uh, colonial homes back where I'm from that I love, but they're falling apart. 
and they caught because they're colonial and they're high quality. They take, they, yeah. They take a lot of money to fix them up. Yeah. But people turn them into like four units or five units or six units or whatever. And I'm like, man, when I go back and I house hack, I'm buying one of those colonials and I'm using the renovation loan to fix it up into a four unit. I'm going to live in the nice little downstairs area and rent out the whole, I don't know. We'll see what happens, but I'm yeah. like, oh, I would love to live in one of those things. So I think anyway. one of the important things is just understanding what options we have out there and available to us. And if I was in charge of all the military, I would make mandatory uh, financial literacy classes, you know, above and beyond uh, don't use your credit cards to buy stupid stuff and don't get a car loan with 22% interest. Um, you know, they, they do a pretty good job of attacking the predatory lender type stuff, or at least they do in the Air Force. But I think there's a lot more uh, important knowledge that can be imparted to the younger guys. Yeah, it's not easy. I'm a command financial specialist, and you'd be amazed how few people show up when I host like a voluntary event, even during working hours, just because they can't get away to go. But if I host, I hosted one where it was like a, like right before the blended retirement was up, I posted it as like a mandatory training for all the people who hadn't been trained on the blended retirement. And I talked in the blended retirement for like 15 minutes and met the requirement. And then the remaining 40 minutes, I talked about everything else. Um, I got a great response and I had like 80 people in that class. But aside from that one, I mean, it's been like, I host this event and like four kids show up. And I'm like, you know, and they all are eating it up. But I'm like, man, I wish I need to, I need to get more people. I need to talk to more. But anyway, what makes the the Monroe's method of investing in real estate unique or successful? Well, I think it's, I, I have a great team and, but specifically it's me and my wife. Um, I'm a very like analytical, very researched, uh, my wife would say overly cautious investor. I would say very well prepared because I don't want to go into something blind. And she's a very action oriented, let's get it done now. What are you doing? Let's move, get this done type person. And that, you know, combination sets us up for success because I'm pulling the brake back when we need to pull the brake and she's pushing the gas when we need the gas. And um, just being able to have good conversations and a partner that's here from, you know, we bounce ideas off each other. Sometimes we even have to be like, all right, today we're not talking about real estate. We're not talking about business. Let's talk about the kids parent teacher conference because we're on the same page, but our, our uh, different qualities uh, accent each other, you know, and, and we're very, very different people, but together that, that builds our team and, and makes, you know, um, makes, makes for a good partnership. And that's really what is different about us than a lot of the other people that we know. Yeah. That's, uh, having a, being able to balance each other out is huge. Um, like I am the, uh, well, I'm the analytical one who tries to talk myself into a budget, but I'm also the big spender. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm like the budget by discipline where like, I just make sure none of my money ends up in the bank account that I have a card for that way. I don't yes. spend it. Um, and my wife is like, aside from food, she could go months without making a purchase. And I'm like, I'm terrible. I'm the reason our, you know, our savings suck. Um, and I've gotten a lot better on it, but like, I, yeah, it's, it's good to have that balance. Cause she'll, she'll tell me not to buy stuff. Just but, uh, yeah. 
what is so what what's a, so what's a resource a book a course a website that you would recommend to anybody getting involved in real estate investing or just in life well one i'm a super huge fan of your youtube channel i think that's phenomenal more more geared towards the military um, military members I, I but there's a ton of value that would would be out there for people not in the military too um, the number one thing that i always recommend to Everybody that's doing real estate, even people who think they know about real estate and have done a couple accidental landlords or live in flips or whatever, it, it's the um, ultimate beginner's guide to real estate investing that they put out uh, from Bigger Pockets. It's a PDF uh, course, essentially, start to finish, A to Z, everything you could possibly need to know about real estate investing. And that's not everything you need to know to do real estate investing, but that's everything you need to know to start learning about real estate in, investing. It gives you all the basic terminology and, and kind of puts you, um, well, at least with the people that I interact with, if they really read and go through that, then all of the terminology that we're using is the same, you know, and it gives a good breakdown of everything from marketing to deals to fix and flipping to, to buy and hold real estate. And it just gives you a baseline knowledge that I think you need before you actually start understanding the stuff that you're going into and, and trying to learn about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's actually, a. I think I have the PDF on my desktop uh, in one of my folders right now, but I know I've read that and it is absolutely great. Uh, and I like the fact that you threw that out there because that's not a resource that everybody throws out, but it is a very good one. Everybody always like flocks to Rich Dad Poor Dad and I'm like, okay, give me another one. I'm a huge fan of Rich Dad Poor Dad and I actually debated like, which one should I, should I say? And I know that everyone does Rich Dad Poor Dad. And like I said before, it was like I was walking around with blinders on and then all of a sudden somebody removed the hood and I could see the world differently. But that's a lot of mindset and understanding money and the way people think about money. But is, it's not super tangible. But this, you know, the, the PDF from Bigger Pockets is a super, like, no kidding, if you follow these steps, you can be successful, which don't get me wrong, I think mindset is a vastly important aspect and Rich Dad Poor Dad literally changed my life and put me in a position where I would look for the resource from bigger pockets. And I, I don't want to discredit Robert Kiyosaki or any of the stuff he does because I think it's phenomenal. I haven't met a good real estate investor who isn't like, oh yeah, I love Rich Dad Poor Dad. But if we're looking for like tactical advice this is a playbook that you could use to literally run your whole business or at least put you off into the right uh vector yeah rich rich dad poor dad is one of those books that should be like a high school requirement but it's like the it's like your access card to like real estate investor like i don't know you're right i don't really know anyone like if i run into someone who hasn't read it i'm like what are you doing go read this book <laughs> and I, you know it came out i think it came out originally in 2003 I think is when it first came out. I, I don't remember, but I know yeah. that I know that I, well, they just had their 20 year anniversary, I think. So maybe it was like 2000, which that would have been right around the time I was in high school, getting ready to come out of high school. I graduated in 2003. If I'd have read that book then, you know, well, one, maybe I would have been like, this is stupid. I don't read books. <laughs> because That's how I was. Yeah. My entire time in high school, I read maybe, maybe one book. But but if I could have been forced to read that book, it it could have changed my my whole life. Um, which 
I like, love the life that I have now, so I wouldn't want it changed. But starting out with that knowledge or that base, those ideas and concepts, um, you know, would be phenomenal for high school kids or, or just really anybody. It's funny you say that because now I, I don't remember this. Maybe that's by choice. Um, but my mom swears, I was homeschooled, and she swears that she tried very hard to get me to read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I was like, no, <laughs> not wanting anything to do with it. Um, well, you know, they say the teacher appears when the student is ready or, you know, whatever, that humbug. And I, I think there is some validity to that. Um, so maybe I wouldn't, you know, I was definitely not concerned with finances when I was 18 years old. There was a lot of things I was chasing and financial literacy was not it. <laughs> well said, well said. All right, JD, before we wrap things up, you got anything you'd like to add? Any big parting ideas or stuff that we didn't touch on? Uh, no, no, just the, the, the main thing was that you need time, money, knowledge, hustle, all that stuff. But none of those things having them or not having them is not something that should stop or prevent you from stepping forward. Uh, people like me tend to think that you need to see step one and step 55 and know all the steps in between before you get started. And that's really not, not the case. I go back to, to Matt Terrio from Epic Real Estate Investing and he says, you know, it's like driving a car in the fog you can only see 15 feet in front of you. You go that 15 feet and you can see 15 more and then 15 more and 15 more. And what that means is when you take that initial step in real estate, then you can figure out that next step and figure out that next step. But you don't have to know all of it to get started. And I believe so strongly in the power real estate has and the, and the power it has for military members to secure their final financial freedom uh, that I think everybody should start taking steps in that direction. Man, I like that fog analogy. I'm gonna definitely repurpose that. That's awesome. Um, I need to start doing like clips of my podcast. That might be it. If I ever actually start doing that, because it just takes so much more time. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, I need to outsource. I, I have uh, this week, uh, I hired a virtual assistant, which I haven't really so, but she's more for uh, like proofreading, copywriting, stuff like that. Um, I also hired a SEO firm to try to, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Basically, fix everything that I did the first year while I was learning that I did wrong. That I just know that will I will never be able. The time that it would take me to go back and fix it is not worth ever trying to do. So we'll see what happens. But I don't know. That's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, this could be huge or it could just be me throwing money away, but I guess we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, JD, where can people get a hold of you if they want to reach out? Well, we're, we're pretty active on Facebook. We're in your From Military to Millionaire uh, Facebook groups. We also have our own website, which is themonroebros.com. We're on Facebook at Monroe Brothers Investments. We're on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and we are currently building our YouTube channel before we do a puzzle. So it'll be Monroe Brothers Investments, and we'll push it out there. Um, our website has a couple blog posts. We, we have a, the deal analyzer. It's a, just a spreadsheet that I use to analyze all my buy and hold deals. It's available in one of the blog, blog posts on, Monroe, on themonroebros.com, and people can download it for free. You don't have to put your email in. You don't have to do anything like that. You just download it if you want. 
and uh, yeah, we're pretty approachable. We're we're uh, very open to answering questions, and we want to make sure that if there's somebody, especially in the military, but anybody uh, that has questions about real estate and and want to know directions and how to get going and resources and stuff like that, uh, that we're open to working with other people. Um, helping other people learn. We're open to joint ventures. You know, we're open to all that kind of stuff. And, and we just want to help other people see how important it is and, and help other people succeed. Awesome. 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 And uh, yeah, I love watching you guys on Facebook. You're always posting good stuff. So keep it up. Cool, man. Well, Hey, thank you very much for joining us on the show today. It's been a pleasure. I'm glad we finally got to do this. We talked like all the time online and you've written an article for my website and this, that, and the other. And so it's nice to finally get to do a, a podcast and share some of your information with the world. So thank you for joining us. Awesome. Thanks for having us. We really appreciate what you're doing. <laughs> Thanks. I, I do what I can. <laughs> thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from military to millionaire.com slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show, give us a review on iTunes, now get out there and take action.